Good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. We have one of our, I guess you, you would be a, a gold star guest or something, <laughs> Dr. Catherine Sherrod, psychologist in, here in Nashville, to talk to us about uh, some of the things that we've been experiencing over the past few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome, first of all. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I'm back. happy to be here. Let's kind of talk about the coronavirus situation and the isolation situation that a lot of people have been going through because of that. Can we start there? That's a great place to start. And it's such a mixed situation, really, because there are people who are just miserable at being unable to go places, unable to socialize, and afraid if they do get out even to the grocery store. And yet there are other people um, who are actually fairly happy to have people kept away from them. Uh, Those would be the introverts of Mm -hmm. the world um, who like quiet time and like alone time and um, are comfortable when they're by themselves. So there's a dichotomy. There's a a, a different reaction depending upon what being social means to you. So we talk more about the, the pain of isolation um, and yet I think it's important to recognize that there is that other group there mm-hmm. um, who is actually benefiting from working at home and doing things online and long distance. So like with everything else, there's hardly anything that's all good or all bad. It's, it's a combination and it's important to be aware of both sides. Yeah, I, I did find that in my relationship because I've kind of been mostly quarantined with my new significant other for the past year. He's been that. And I think it helped us to build our relationship better. It can definitely do that. And again, that it can go either way. Oh, oh, yeah. So that if the relationship is going well and you value your time with each other and you build each other up and there's a supportive aspect to your relationship, then being together is fantastic. And it does build the relationship deeper and stronger. But if there are challenges in the relationship, where people really go wrong in relationships is they interpret the other person's behavior as having done something purposely to upset me. You left your glass on the kitchen counter just to prove to me that you didn't have to put it away and you left it for me to be your servant, which is a very negative interpretation and might not have had anything to do with anything. The person put their glass on the counter, phone rang, answered the phone, completely forgot about the glass by the Mm -hmm. time it was over. So there might in fact have been a, a reasonable and kinder interpretation. But when people get into interpreting what somebody else did from a, a negative perspective, you did that on purpose to upset me, mm-hmm. we're, we're in trouble. And then the more time we spend together, the worse it is because we can make up these negative stories and then rehearse them in our heads. And then the first thing we say to the other person is said very angrily, I can't believe that you treat me so shabbily. And the person's like, <laughs> What just happened? Right. So I would like to address that we make up these scenarios in in, yeah. in, in our heads. I make yeah. it, and and then I will say this, and you will say that, and then I'll, and then I, now I'm pissed off at you. <laughs> exactly. And, and you didn't have any part of that. <laughs> you, you you were not part of the argument <laughs> from which we are now not speaking to each other. Yeah, you exactly. Lost. Exactly. So um, what are we doing as human <laughs> beings? 
Um, making our lives miserable, that's what we're doing as human beings when we make up these stories and we make up these conversations in our heads. And so sometimes people will come and they're talking to me and they're saying, well, he did this, she did this because blank, blank, blank. My question always is, and how did you know that? How do you know why the person did that? You know what the person did or you know what you saw of what the person did, but how do you know why they did that? Well, I, I, I just know. Um, okay, now I'm a little bit concerned because I don't know that yet. And I'm hearing that you're very upset with the other person. And is it the case that you want to be not speaking to this other person? Is it the case that you want to be having a hard time in your relationship? No, they did this to me. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they did this to you. I just want to make sure you're not doing this to you. Whoa. Um, because... You're very important to me, and what I'm hearing is you're very angry about something, and I don't know yet that it happened exactly the way you think it happened, and I, I would like to learn more about that. Is it possible we do sometimes do want to be upset with someone? We want to be in a, a tumultuous... Sometimes. There are people who want to be in a tumultuous, unhappy relationship because it's energized, Mm -hmm. But they're a minority. Mm -hmm. There aren't very many people who really want to do that. The majority of people who are doing this to themselves are doing it by accident, lack of intention. They, they want to get along well with the other person. They just have bad habits. Oh. And they give in to their bad habits and they get angry at somebody and then convince themselves that they're justified and then, then we have a problem. I remember you turned me on to a book, and I can't remember if it was called Getting the Love You... Getting the Love You Want? Want, mm -hmm. or if it was Real Love. The, uh, you turned me on Get, to several books. Getting the Love You Want, Keeping the Love You Have. I believe it was in that book that it said something like, we often will recreate situations from our childhood in our adult life, and we're doing that in hopes of making a better outcome. Right. So if I grew up with somebody who was depressed, I might become friends with or have a romantic partner with somebody who's depressed, hoping that this time it will work out well. But it's almost impossible to correct a historical problem in a current relationship. The only thing you can correct in the current relationship is the current relationship. And so you, you want to be where you are. And aware that that's what you might be doing. Um, Some it, people it, have these, keep recreating these <laughs> scenarios and don't know. Right. At least open to the possibility that you're recreating the same scenario. Um, I always get with losers. I always get with people who are abusive. I, I always exactly. get with people who are so, uh, emotionally distant. And I, I like people to listen to themselves. I literally had somebody in my office one time who had a series of failed relationships saying, I like my men with a mean streak. And I went. I, I need you to repeat what you just said. What? No, I need you to repeat what you just said. And finally, she's like, because she really wasn't listening to herself. She finally figured out what she said and said it again. And I said, did you hear yourself? That is what you complain about in your relationships with men is that they're mean. But you just said, I like my men with a mean streak. So that is what you're selecting. And as long as you select them that way, they're going to be mean to you. Whoa. But that awareness was really helpful. And yes. she actually wasn't paying attention previously. She could, she could say the words, but she didn't actually hear the words. I've noticed sometimes that people say, no matter what I do, I can't do anything right. 
things right. like that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they're not listening to themselves. No, they're not listening to themselves. No. And so I frequently, if, if, if I can tell that that's going on, I'll say your homework assignment, should, <laughs> should you choose to accept it, is to listen to the horrible things you say to yourself because you're not hearing them on a conscious level, but you are attacking yourself yourself multiple times a day. And I want you to see what you're doing to yourself because you wouldn't do that to anybody else. I want you to hear what you're doing because only when you actually hear what you're doing are you going to be able to change it because you can't change that which you don't see or hear. Right. Or I'm an idiot or I'm a moron. All of those. Right. I'm, I'm just stupid. Oh my gosh. Exactly. So what we've gone from was I just dump my smoothie on the floor of the smoothie store and I feel totally embarrassed because I have dropped it and made a mess rather than saying I have dropped my smoothie and made a mess and I'm terribly sorry dear people do you have a mop I'm sure they do because I'm not the first person who's done that (laughs) instead of saying that oh my gosh I can't do anything right I screw up everything I touch I'm I'm just I'll never I'll never get anything right so I've gone from a specific thing I dropped my smoothie to I'm a terrible person to a general thing. Wow. I would prefer that you go from a specific thing. I drop my smoothie. Oh my gosh, I hate when I do that. I'm so embarrassed. Dear people, I'm really, really sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Of course, yeah. that's kind of obvious. I meant to drink it. Sure. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, really. So can I stick with a specific? I mess this thing up. Whoa. That's not my whole life. That's not everything today. I mess this thing up. Can I remain specific? Oh, that's good. Uh, If you're just joining us, this is Focus. I'm Anna Marie, and we're talking with Dr. Catherine Sherrod, psychologist here in Nashville. And we started off talking about the (laughs) coronavirus situation, but it rolled into relationships and then uh, relationships that we have with ourselves that could use some work. And I think the relationship we have with ourselves is, in fact, the most important relationship that we have, because... Based on our relationship with ourselves, we decide what our relationships with other people are going to be like. What do you mean? When I spend my time saying I'm an idiot and I can't get anything right and and I'm a loser and all those terrible things, Mm -hmm. I am distracted by the way I attack myself when I'm with other people. And so I'm not likely to be fully present to the other people in the way that I want to be. So it's actually likely to interfere with my relationship with them. And then when they say something that I can interpret as an attack on me, because I would have meant it as an attack on me, so I assume you mean it as an attack on me, then I'm hurt that you would treat me so badly. But you might not have done anything that badly. Yeah, You might have just made a comment that actually didn't have anything to do with me. I've I've actually experienced that I, with with someone okay. where I said something and and he said I know I'm an idiot or something like that right, and, and I was like, like wait where did that come from I said no 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 I, I was not implying that I was not saying that you can't it, do anything right it, it was, was not in your mind no yes and, yes and I and I said I wonder if that's your kind of your default setting to go there that's a yeah. default saying that you've developed or something right right so are we Coming up with these because somebody has told us that so many times or because we feel like if we say it first, we own it and they can't tear us down anymore. Some of both. Um, We're unlikely to come up with those sayings if someone hasn't used them on us to some extent. Mm -hmm. 
But also, some of us are just a lot more sensitive than other people are. And we hear things as being more more attacking, more devastating, more upsetting than other people would have heard them. Mm. So there's a combination of what we have experienced and how we react to our experiences. I get that. I get that because I have been guilty of hearing something and feeling like, oh, I was trying my best. Just recently, I thought, wait a minute. That was not a fair statement. That was not an accurate statement that you just made. I do mostly correct in this Ah. field. I do mostly 99% of the things I do correct. I mess that one thing up. And then you want to stay specific. I mess that one thing up. I'm not a mess up. Yes, I was about to take it like, oh, I was about to take it. You didn't say I right. do everything wrong. Right. I was about to take it like, oh, I try so hard and then I can't please you or whatever. Poor me. Right. And there are people you can't please. And I prefer that people hear that as not poor me, but you're the kind of person who's hard to please. They are out there. Yeah. Now, if everyone you know is hard to please, <laughs> probably need to look in the mirror. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> but if there's a variety of people out there, some of whom are hard to please and some of whom are easy to please, then you're probably giving yourself accurate information about what's going on there. Oh, that's good. We're finding uh, that phone calls and Zoom calls and things like that are being kind of pulled into use. Right. Are those good? Are those positive? They seem like they help. They do help. Some kind of contact is always good so that long time ago, before we had electronics, if you received a letter from someone, that was a connection with that person. And then you could sit down and write a letter. Whatever form of connection we have, whether it's a letter, whether it's Zoom, whether whatever form of connection we have, that's worth something because we are at least connected. But there is an element that's missing in, in electronics. So that a lot of therapists that I talk to find doing telehealth harder than being with someone in person because they're missing some cues. And so they're working harder to utilize the cues that they get from clients. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing is true because I have some meetings and things that I do on Zoom. I think you're missing some of the odd, just looking at somebody else in the group that you would normally look at when something happens it's kind of an exchange of glances well you can't do that because you're all just straight ahead oh right Uh, so you miss all those little side connections i get when you're in when you're in a group meeting might be like a little look of support or look of understanding or or Or, look of like what did you hear that yeah yeah. (laughs) exactly so all those little shared asides that are not necessary to move the meeting forward or to connect with people are in fact a big part of the way we connect with each other. Mm. It's not about always about getting work done. Something it, sometimes it's just about being with people. Mm-hmm. Being with, being there, just being there is is worth something. So as kids are starting to go back to school, some kids are starting to go back to school. Some kids are mm-hmm. What are you seeing about the health, the mental health of children? And these times. And again, it varies. So I've got clients who um, are very pleased to be back at school. 
um, or the children of clients, it varies. But I've got a few clients who are not back in school yet who are like, I hope this lasts forever because I like the online stuff. Mm -hmm. I I don't necessarily want to go to all the trouble to go to school and be with all those people. And it's complicated and it's just easier to do the work at home. So again, Mm -hmm. I don't find that there's any one reaction. I would say the majority of the children want to be in school. That's at least my personal experience. Mm -hmm. Are there different mental health needs for kids versus adults? Or is it still kind of that connectivity and that interaction and that socialization that either you crave or you don't (laughs) crave? I, I would say kids and adults are pretty much the same in needing relationship. One of the things that happens in school is kids get to practice social skills oh, right. that they would not get to practice at home. By the time you're an adult, you're controlling your environment more. And and that makes a difference in the people to whom you're exposed. Right. But when you're in school, you kind of sat where you're sat and you have the kids in your class who are in your class. That's just kind of the way it is. Right. And so there's a certain amount of stretching and teaching, again, in sideways things, just like I was talking about being in a group and people look at each other. And that's part of the richness of being physically present with each other. That's part of the richness of being physically present with other students. Mm -hmm. I mean, who kicks the back of your chair? There there are things that go on. And if you're never exposed to it, you, you don't know how to deal with it. Okay, that makes me think about, for example, being in junior high or high school and realizing that the prettier girls, the cheerleader girls kind of got more attention when we had special events at school. I remember there was something like Mom Day. It was some some sort of a thing where people bought these big giant dinner plate mums and oh. all the cheerleaders just had mums covering their bodies. And and I didn't have any, I wasn't one of the popular kids. Right. But it, being in that social setting did help my awareness of how social rankings, social situations sometimes work. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's important to learn that. And one of the things that we forget to tell ourselves or to tell our children with whom we're associated, in that situation, the cheerleaders are a very small fraction of the student body. And the majority of the students are like you and me. Whoa. We're just regular. Yeah. So there aren't a lot of special kids in a whole school. And I realize everybody right now is telling everybody they're special, and I get that. So I think it's really helpful for kids to learn that being average, normal, is okay. How do we learn to deal with life until we learn that being just okay can be good enough? We don't have to be special. Everybody isn't a winner. Sorry about that. I know I'm saying the wrong thing. Everybody isn't a winner. Why are you looking at me? Because <laughs> you're across from me. <laughs> but I am aware people ask, you know, are the suicide rates rising during the pandemic? And the, the reality is, from what I've been able to look up, we're not yet sure. But we are sure that the suicide rates have been rising for the past two decades. Mm. There wasn't a pandemic for the past two de- decades. But one of the things that I as a therapist have observed is that people no longer know how to be who they are. If you're not a winner, if you're not number one, if you're not special, it's like, oh, now my feelings are hurt and I don't know how to deal with it. So our whole focus on everybody in the team 
gets a trophy. Everybody in the team is number one. Every, we're not teaching kids how to play a board game and be the loser and be okay. Wow. Well, I don't know how to go through life without playing a board game and occasionally being the loser. Right. That's true. But that makes a lot of sense. I read somewhere that, that 95% of people on TV look like 5% of the people in the Correct. real population. That's, yes, that's what I was trying to say about the cheerleaders. Yes. They're, they're a minority. There are just few of them. And if everybody aspires to be part of that minority, mm-hmm. just think how frustrated we get. Whereas if we could just kind of be who we are. Yeah. Which is not always stellar. No, sometimes it's, not. <laughs> it's Sometimes it's just okay. Yeah. And what if okay is good enough? And, and I go round and round with my clients who are like, but if I can't be special, then I'm nothing. And I'm like, please hear what you just said. Wow. There really aren't that many special people in the world, in, right. in my opinion. Yeah. And, and now you're saying if you can't be something that you're probably never going to be, you're nothing. I I want you to hear that. That's very self-defeating for me. Well, see, they said it out loud. I think probably a lot of us feel that inside and just don't say it out loud. Maybe yeah. we never articulate it, but it's there's a little something there when we see the special Absolutely. people and the shiny people and the pretty people and the uh, winners and the all, award getters. All that. And when you're told oh. everybody's a winner and you're like, well, everybody's a winner, but I sure don't feel like one. Mm-hmm. So there's really two things wrong with me. Oh, wow. I'm not a winner and I don't feel like a winner when I should feel like a winner. So I often say things people don't expect because I don't think most of us are winners. I'm a loser and I'm okay with it. Or I'm normal. I'm normal. I'm in the middle and I'm okay with it. Where are the majority of us located? Oh, in the middle. In the middle. Yeah. When did that become a bad thing? I wish you had been my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now we're talking about uh, special people. Yes. We're finding that (laughs) a lot of adults moving back in with their parents because of finances, because of lost jobs, because of uh, quarantine, because schools, uh, colleges uh, closed down, things like that. That situation is often getting people crazy because when I move back with my parents, I suddenly become 16 again and they're Ah, they're figuring out out those boundaries again and what the the normal, what, what will work for everybody. That's a really, really hard situation because we we were not prepared for that. Mm-hmm. At least many of us were not right. prepared for that. And so when we face a situation that we were not prepared for, typically before we start adjusting to it, we just sort of turn into mules and we put all four feet out and we're like, Duh. <laughs> so I shall not be moved. Pretty much. And only after we get through that, oh, well, all right, what? What actually are we going to do here? And so there are conflicts between parents who think the kids are 16 um, and kids who think they're 35 um, and should be able to do anything they want. Or who think they're 35, <laughs> but mom should start doing their laundry again. And and, and there is that. And, and paying so their rent for them. That, those are all the boundaries that need to be worked out. So what do you do? Sit down and take a piece of paper and go, will this work for you? Will this work for me? How do you do it? Families who can actually discuss things without people being upset and putting holes in the walls can sit down and have those conversations. But some of my clients want to come in and talk to me um, without anybody else in the family around so they can say whatever's on their mind. 
then at the end of it, when they've gotten to vent with no harm done, right? then they can say, okay, well, I can do this and I can do this and I won't do that. And what I tell people is you do a lot better when you don't expect somebody to read your mind. Well, I'm not going to do your laundry anymore. You're, you've been to college. You can do it yourself. I need to know what my boundaries are, but my boundaries are not necessarily exactly what's in your head. So I cannot assume that you're going to see it the way I see it. Mm -hmm. And where, again, we get into trouble is I, as a parent or I, as a kid, have ideas in my mind about the way it's going to be. And if you don't agree with me, then we don't like each other anymore. Because I feel like you're doing that just to mess with me or you're doing that just to mess with me. We're back to making up stories about why people are doing things. And I think our society has in the past couple of decades, got to the point where we have lost the ability to debate in a friendly fashion. True. You believe this is up and I believe this is down. And does that mean that we now start throwing things at each other? Mm -hmm. Or does that mean that I say, you think it's up? Where does that come from? Mm -hmm. And you look at me and you say down. When did you first come up with the interpretation that it's down? I, I don't understand that. I don't see it that way. Yeah. So We can start, we used to start from a perspective of let's figure out why you think it's up and I think it's down because, oh my gosh, what if in fact it has some up characteristics and it has some down characteristics? Mm -hmm. This is somewhat esoteric, but for decades there was a big fight in physics over whether light was particles or waves. You know what? Turned out to be both. (laughs) And, and people would just be furious with each other because I think it's waves. I think it's particles. And it's the same with the you think it's up and I think it's down. What if there are some characteristics of upness about it that I hadn't noticed? Mm-hmm. And there are some characteristics of downness about it that you hadn't noticed. Mm-hmm. And we have now both enriched each other if we're just willing to listen. Rarely is one person completely right and one person completely wrong. But we act like that all the time now. Mm -hmm. I must manipulate you into thinking like I do. I must manipulate you into thinking like I do, or you're an idiot if you don't think like I do. We're back to calling people names and putting people down. Yeah. I am right and you are wrong. Yeah. And that's just no way. And I'm good and you're bad. And Definitely. I'm good and you're bad. And that's no way to run a society. Or a relationship. Or a relationship. We don't enrich each other that way. We, we tear each other down. I read somewhere, I've been listening, I listened to Russell Brand uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit. And he was talking about n- negotiations and discussions in a relationship. And he said, try to take the emotion out of it. Try right. to take the emotion out of it. Like, right. b- because there's like an old saying about when a woman cries, the guy's lost the argument. That, I have heard that. That sort of thing. So he says, try and take the emotion out of it. And when you said you have clients who come to you and they spill it all and they <laughs> right. vent and they get it out of their system and right. no harm done. No. That was another thing. And I think that's a very wise thing is tell somebody who's not going to go and tell you're not the person you're upset with. Yes. Right. Get it all out of your system. Then think about what really you you need to say and do. Right. Right. And a, a more dispassionate way, a less emotional way. Like, here's here's what I need. Here's what I would like to have. Here's what I can deal with. And here's here's what I propose or whatever. Right. Right. That's that's an excellent strategy for working things out. And also this this is what it looks like to me. Yes. This is what I'm experiencing. This is how it make, how I feel when this happens. 
Right. I love the way you stopped yourself because you almost said, this is how it makes me feel. And you stopped yourself and said, this is how I feel. (laughs) Absolutely. Other people don't make you feel anything. That is your chosen interpretation. Yes. And your feeling is based on your interpretation. And a lot of people miss that step and they think well how else could I possibly have reacted except by being hurt mad pick one whatever right and I say well let's think about the choices that's a really good question how else could you have felt you could have felt these different ways right I'm interested in why you chose the one you did and they'll say it wasn't a choice and I'm like yeah let's figure it out because I think it was yeah if someone else were put in this exact same situation with the exact same external forces, might they have felt differently? Is there a possibility? And and did you have choices about how to be different? Right. Yeah. Oh, I've heard for years people like, you just made me so mad. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Nope. Mm-mm. 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 Don't have that much power. <laughs> Sometimes wish I did, but don't. <laughs> I have my puppet strings on your arms and I'm going to make you go crazy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, is there anything that you would like to say to kind of wrap up our our show today about how we're getting along with each other and things to remember uh, as we look at going back out into the community more. The thing that I really want people to pay attention to is what each of us is doing to contribute to connection with other people so that we can't see each other's smile or expressions behind the mask. So it kind of interferes to a certain extent, even when you pass somebody in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people used to smile at each other. or I was looking for the peas too. So be prepared to say something nice. I mean, we can hear even with a mask on True. sometimes. Um, <laughs> it does sometimes interfere. But at any rate, but be prepared to notice the positive things. I think we have gotten into a really bad habit of noticing the negatives, what I'm angry about, what I, I, I just wish people were kinder these days. Honestly, they're just not kind. And I'm not paying attention to the fact that I'm being angry and I'm kind of not being very kind either. Mm-hmm. So I want us to look at ourselves and hold ourselves responsible for offering friendship, a smile, a kind word, an appreciation to somebody else. And I'm not saying it's always going to be reciprocated in the way you want it to be. But Mm -hmm. the reality is the more you fill yourself with kindness and be nice to other people, the more likely you are to feel happier and more connected to people. And this this is an on average thing. This is not a guarantee. This is kind of a statistical percentage that The kinder you are to other people, the kinder you might find that other people are to you. Mm -hmm. Doesn't account for the people out there who are just grumpy and mean and can't help that. But we can help ourselves. And it's kind of that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, yes. And we all know that. And I often tell people, ugliness is also in the eye of the beholder. Jealousy is in the eye of the beholder. Sometimes meanness is in the eye of the beholder. Many, many things are in the eye of the beholder. What are you beholding? Pay attention to what you're beholding. Thank you, Dr. Sherrod. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for asking your great questions. Nashville psychologist Dr. Catherine Sherrod. We're going to put the link in case you need to ask more or if you need to go see her and go vent before you talk to someone in your life. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus. Focus.